Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Brett. How are you? I'm doing great, Wendy. How are you today? Oh, I am good. And I'm so excited. We have not one guest, but two guests today. Yes, we do. Two of my favorite clients. I can truly say that and mean it in my heart. So let's get to know them. I was going to do a little NASCAR reference there. One of my favorite guilty pleasure movies because they're down in the Carolinas. And so uh, in the movie uh, Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise, there's a the pit the pit boss guy uh, played by Robert Duvall. He says, I know it in my heart, Cole. And so uh, it's one of my little favorite lines. And so when I know something to be true, I say, I know it in my heart. And I use my best North Carolina accent. So <laughs> Hopefully you're going to hear and get to know John and Mary today, but you know, I always like to start out with, I think a story that helps people connect to why I think this is so relevant. And, um, and I think this story right here is exactly not exactly John's story, but there, there's a few little elements of it that I think that John will relate to very well. But, you know, this week we're dealing with something that we weren't expecting to deal with. Um, my son, uh, had an accident right? It was unplanned. And uh, all of a sudden at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, I was going to pick him up from school. And instead I got a call from the, from the doctor in the, in the health center saying that, that Grant had, and he thought had broken his arm. So we're in the emergency room and we're going through all that. And we got released about three o'clock in the morning on Sunday and uh, everything about his summer just changed right? Because he was supposed to be doing all of these things related to his ability to play sports, which right now he can't because he's in a big sling and he's going to probably have to have surgery and, and everything changed. And, but quite frankly, nothing changed. I know that sounds really strange, but he's still 17. He's still alive. He's still going to move forward. He's going to eventually go to school and study something. And so although his path may not have been exactly the way he thought it was going to be, it's still a path and he's still going to move forward. And I think that's really a little bit of the retirement planning process that John and Mary have gone through. I think when we first met, they didn't really know what their path was going to be. They didn't know when it was going to be, and they were trying to figure that out. And then some things have thrown them curves and things have changed and things haven't gone exactly the way they thought they would be, but yet they're still basically what I call on track and on that plan. So I'd, I'd like to introduce them to our audience. And then, like I said, just start talking to them a little bit and tell their story. So, so why don't we start with, with Mary a little bit. So Mary, just tell everybody about you just real quick, kind of like your background, where you're from and, and what you like doing. Okay, um, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. You can hear it in my voice. We lived in Indiana for 15 years, which is where we were uh, blessed with meeting Brett and he took over our finances there and it's done such a good job. Um, let's see, I met John in my mid-20s and we've been married, I don't know how many years, John, 37? 
Mm. Yes. And uh, yeah, it'll be 38 next week, actually. So anyway, we've got uh, four children. Um, most of them live in North Carolina. And so uh, for retirement, we started looking back towards there, towards our roots. Uh, but yeah, we've loved every little bump in the road, every adventure. And uh, Indiana was a great place for us to live. Um, still have lots of friends there, still go back to visit. We have a child who lives there too. So, How about you, John? Tell us a little bit about your story and background. Well, I was the son of a Duke power person in North Carolina, as well as Mary. Her dad was a Duke power person. So I started work way back on Noah's Ark about 1980 in the, the electric transmission industry. Spent 41 years there, part of it with Duke in the Carolinas and another part with a company up in Indiana where I retired from. So interesting and funny story is that uh, when we met, we had no idea our fathers had known each other forever, had no idea that our uh, her aunt and my mother had gone to school at the same place. So we started looking and discovering our backgrounds. And I said, we got to quit looking. We're going to find out we're related and we cannot get married. <laughs> Thankfully, that did not happen. So as Mary said, we will be married 38 years on June the 15th. It's been a wonderful ride. And I just, I have nothing that I can say bad about the time that we have spent together and uh, my life with her. Wow. I, you are an inspiration to me. Uh, I know that, uh, people joke when I first met my wife, I went, my mother was still alive and we went shopping and everybody thought that my mother was her mother and that I was not. So, uh, we've not gone back very far on the family tree either. We don't want to accidentally find some related roots there. Um, but, um, but I think one of the things I'd like to just kind of start with is, you know, when we first met, uh, it's been a while and you were not, uh, really what I call ready to retire. But what I like to just try to tell people is why did you think at that time? Cause I don't believe that you really had a financial advisor when we first met or somebody that you were really working with at that time, really just kind of what motivated you initially to meet with someone and to try to find someone to help you plan your retirement. Well, basically, uh, the main reason I wanted to meet is we had finances in several different places. We did have a financial advisor down in Charlotte, uh, but Indiana, that was kind of a remote. He really wasn't doing some of the things that we thought a financial advisor should be doing a little bit stronger for us. I had set a target monetary amount, a target age in which I wanted to retire. Life happens when I first started working you know, in the industry I was in, you work 30 years, you retire with full company paid benefits. Well, uh, Mary loves to say life happens, change happens. You said that earlier. So that got thrown out the door when you realize that your retirement and what you're going to be living on in the post-retirement years comes from what you and your financial advisor can do, not from what your company can do for you. So we searched around and we had a good friend that contacted us and uh, put us in touch with you and your team. And from then on, we realized we were in very good financial hands. And I'm not one of those who can look at buckets of money like you can for the present, the near future, the long term, and say, this is what I need to be doing at this stage in my life. Uh, you had a wonderful game plan and you put it out there to us and we were sold. So 
from that aspect of things, when I realized I really couldn't put a good plan together, I needed help. Uh, that's when we came to you. Well, Brett awesome. loves his buckets. I do love buckets. They're so easy. <laughs> Some buckets get a hole in them sometimes, but I still like buckets. So, and, and Mary, how about you? And in, in that process for you, what what were you kind of, for lack of a better term, searching for? Or what were you helping hoping to understand? Well, as John said, we had a financial advisor, but he was distant, you know, geographically distant, not as accessible. And he spoke a language I don't speak. I don't speak financial language. I can understand buckets a little better. Um, so I was just more comfortable face to face and with the way you uh, communicated. So that put me immediately at, at ease and you came in on high recommendation too. So I was comfortable with that. So. Well, I think that there's a couple of key factors that I think our listeners are experiencing in their own life, which I, I think really uh, are the reason part of, I think this story is so real for so many people is how your company changed right over time and the benefits that you were expecting to receive changed during the course of your working years. And, you know, I remember when I first started out of college and started working for one of those big companies, I was with General Electric and the same story. People worked there for their entire lives and they retired from there with pension and benefits and all those different things. And, and that has changed. And so now we've got workers that need to adapt and change as well. And I think you did. And I think that that's, but that's still hard for people to just know that. Uh, and then uh, starting to, you said something else that I think is so true for so many people is that we had money in a lot of different places. So let's kind of explore that because I know that's been one of the bigger, I don't want to say challenges, but one of the, some of the bigger work that we've, we've done. And, and I think your story is pretty similar to a lot of stories. So uh, let's just start with, with John. And then, and then I also want to talk about Mary and Mary's family and some of the things that you've gone through there as, as your family dynamics uh, have changed, you know, and, and how that's impacted you. So John, just kind of walk me through just how you felt you had money in a couple of different places. Like where do you see, where did you see those places and kind of what challenges did they provide for you? Well, we had not only my retirement fund that was going with Duke energy. Uh, Mary also had one because when we met, we were both working for the company. So we had separate retirement funds there. We did have a financial advisor in Charlotte who had a lot of money wrapped up in a number of different places that had come mostly from Mary's side of the family and from some of the income that she had had from there. Uh, plus we had our own bank accounts and things like that. So consolidating what we had was a pretty big deal for me to just understand what do we have? Where is it? What can be utilized when? And uh, just being able to take some of those funds and being flexible like you and your team are with what you can do with them and where you can move them to get you get your best bang for the buck, as they say. So that's kind of where we stood. Uh, like I said, we were in about three, four different places and just finding someone who could consolidate that and make sense of it to me from a financial aspect was a big deal. Right. And, and uh, I know that that getting the whole picture is sometimes a bit of a challenge for people. Cause like you said, it's in a lot of different places and people don't, um, uh, if everybody would have seen us just getting connected to the technology this morning, I don't think that your 
uh, unusual in that regard, right? It's been a big change in terms of uh, what the computer and their cell phone can do and where that information sits. And that can be difficult into what I call kind of aggregate or bring it all together and create that simple picture. And so, Mary, I know you had some things going on with your family and, and maybe, you know, just kind of share with us some of the uh, challenges or the backgrounds and things that you've gone through as as that estate has settled and, and some of the things that you guys had to deal with. Yeah, um, my, my mother's side of the family was uh, pretty big into real estate. And when my mother passed away, I inherited a few homes. I was young when she passed away. My father managed them and we grew it. And then when I took over, I grew it. Um, probably the thing I learned from this is, you you know, you, you try to grow up. <laughs> and I grew out, um, which is important. Uh, so I had more, but of the same thing. And I think I needed to diversify the type of rental property I had. Long story short, um, when we moved, it became harder to manage these properties out of state. And um, we probably we would have been land poor if we kept hold of them. So the writing was on the wall. It was time to sell. We got rid of them. And as the state settled, um, you know, we you worked with us quite a bit on this, Brett, in terms of taxes as well as what to do with the money that came in from the sale and things like that, since I'd held a lot of the properties so long. Right. So I would not have been able to navigate. I just didn't have the knowledge to do that. Um, so anyway, we're very grateful for what, you know, the basic financial basis I inherited and grateful now that it's it's different and can grow up instead of just out. Right. And, and uh, that is especially here uh, in Indiana, we have so much, it's not always rental properties, but we have farmland and things that people are inheriting. And it's the same kind of thing is that uh, where they're located now is not at the family farm, right? And so running it remotely and having high quality people that can take care of your asset from a remote standpoint, it's not always easy, right? It's not possible, right? But it's not easy. And I think you were experiencing some of that and it was uh, not necessarily a strain, but some of the relationships in your family, because it wasn't strictly you involved, right? It was some brothers and sisters as well, if I remember. Right. We, we had a, um, we took some of the property after my father passed away and he was a pretty smart guy financially. He incorporated it into an LLC so that um, uh, he, he wanted to take care of all of us and equally. And so we did that and we held on to that. My brother managed it and we paid him for that for a number of years. But, you know, as you get older, you look at it like, how is that going to be passed down? Three people is one thing. You know, eight is going to be another when you talk about children. So we have recently uh, liquefied that and let it go. And all these things have emotional attachments to it. But um, you think about it and, you know, it's your parents give it to you for you to move forward, not for you to just sit on it. So, yeah, we've moved yeah. forward. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's, I love that aspect of it is that there's still the emotion, right? Is that it's still you know, the family attachment that you have to that property because of the memories that come to it. It's not even just the home that you lived in, but it's just uh, all of that. Right. And so um, I think it's important that, you know, when we're putting plans together, one of the things that I get 
chastised of by one of my good friends is he calls me the tin man he goes you have no heart and i said well they don't pay me to have a heart they pay me to know how to do the math and so uh, but the reality is that your heart and your what's important and valuable to you is why we we have to ask these kinds of questions and have these kind of conversations right because if something's really emotionally important to you i can't give you advice that you're never going to take Right. Because it's just not advice you're ready to take. And so uh, I know that 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 was really important to you guys in your journey. And it's going to have an impact on your on your on this next phase of of your life. But, you know, one of the things that I think uh, as we were actually getting to the moment of when, you know, John made the decision to retire and, and, uh, you know, it happened, you know, a few years ago. And I know there was a lot of concern over that moment, right? Because um, your situation is is somewhat, uh, like I said, everybody's story is a little bit unique, but there's elements of your story that I think a lot of people are going through, right? So I'd really like to kind of drill down right now, John, just on kind of like, kind of at the end of your career, right? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm I'm sensing you weren't just exactly fired up about going into work every day. And because uh, there were some changes at work, which happened, right? And then also you had uh, some some physical changes where you were you were going through a, a surgery and things like that. Can you maybe just kind of tell us that story about like, you know, kind of, I know that there's a slight age difference between John and Mary, and you had some concerns over what I call retiring too early, and and maybe you can kind of just share with us kind of that that emotional decision and how you navigated that a little bit. Certainly. You know, the number one thing uh, with Mary and I is the fact that it wasn't just me retiring. It was us retiring. And when we agreed upon that, that that would be the direction we'd take and that'd be the aspect and attitude we'd have, that really kind of made it easy to kind of come to a good decision. And the other piece of it was uh, I had worked 41 years in the same industry. Now, different jobs among that, and, and it was never boring. And uh, my role up in MISO in Indiana was the fact I had been a manager. And then I became a senior advisor creating a particular uh, aspect of training, which I thoroughly loved doing. But you're exactly right. I wasn't really in love with the idea of going to work every day. So my last year of employment, was during the first year of COVID when everybody was at home. Now, uh, people have asked, well, what kind of impact did COVID have? Well, it had a good impact on us. First and foremost, we didn't get it until much later. But that first year gave us a chance to both be at home, get into a good rhythm of being together, me working, Mary doing everything else in the house and doing all the things she could do. You couldn't really get out and do an awful lot, but we found out that you know what, we're not going to beat each other's throat if I retire. So it was a good decision to do that. The confidence factor really started probably around 2015 or so when I think you and I were seriously talking about, you know, target finances. Here's a target amount of money you ought to have. I already had a target age in my mind, which was 65. That, you know, that made sense. So when we put all those factors together and started looking at things in 2021, we hit the target finances that uh, uh, your partnership with us said, I think you're going to be good with all this. I hit the age. Mary had decided that she wouldn't uh, shoot me or whatever, you know, for being at home all day and being together. So a lot of different factors came in to create a confidence factor that said, this is the time to do it. And we already had a game plan 
to say, well, we want to get closer to family. We want to downsize. We had already put a lot of planning into this to know basically what our next steps were going to be. And some of them actually came kind of fast. Yeah, I remember how fast that went. Why don't you tell everybody uh, about the decision? I know we've been talking about it and, and you know, because it's, uh, but just maybe share with everybody that decision to to sell your house and, and kind of what I call kind of rent for a minute. And, you know, we talked about that, but it, it's, it's, that's a big decision, right? People have got so much of their life and their house and all their stuff. And so I, I'd love for you guys to just tell that story about how, how you made that choice. You want to go for it, Mary? Well, a, a lot of it had to do with uh, the weather. <laughs> you know, as you get older, your joints hurt. John has had a number of joint surgeries and uh, the cold was really getting to him. So in addition to wanting to be near family, I think uh, he wanted to feel better, especially during the, the colder months. So all that all that thinking went into deciding we would sell the house and move. And we're happy to be closer to family too. But um, so that's what we did. The house sold so quickly. And we, we said, well, let's go live at the beach for a few years because we didn't have grandchildren and we could play a little bit. And this is on the... You know, on the front side of kids, we were busy with careers and stuff. We're on the back side of kids being home now, and we could uh, look forward to maybe just being a couple and playing uh, in ways that we hadn't before. So um, the house went fast. We downsized. We were in. We rented. We rented for two years. House about half the size of ours, and we had a house that was pretty large. It's and, and this one is still a nice size house, but we cut a lot. Um, and just like with the property, you have to kind of put emotions on the that's secondary, look at what you need. So um, we hired a company to help us. It was a little different during COVID, no yard sales or anything like that. Um, we did, this company sold things that we didn't want online. That's how we did it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and we came down here, things fall into place sometimes when they're meant to be. Uh, nothing was available during that time. To rent in the last day we found something that wasn't quite ready called the lady who owned it she lived in new jersey the day she was going to be here was the day we were leaving so on our way out of town we went by saw the place secured it <laughs> came back to indiana this was the week we were moving right <laughs> came back to indiana packed up and we're here so um it was a whirlwind, but we've been very happy. And your advice to us, Brett, was to rent to be sure we like it here. Yeah. And 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 we do love it. But you know, the surprise was, yeah, we kind of wanted the kids would come and they would play, but we didn't see enough of them. So we're about five hours away from them now. We'll be within 20 to 40 minutes of them when we move. So I think that's right. going to be better in hopes that grandchildren will one day be here. <laughs> Well, I, I, there's a couple of uh, spots in that story that uh, I think Mary glossed over was, I, I think if you put your house up for sale on a Monday and it was sold by Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, it was like within two or three days. Um, and then they were gone in a month. <laughs> like it wasn't much longer after that. Yeah. They were, they were out the door to South Carolina. And, um, uh, uh, but I, I think there's a couple aspects to that story that maybe John can expand upon a little bit is the first thing is is I'm I'm not um I'm not someone who has like magic secret formula, but I've watched people do this enough to understand that this decision to sell and downsize and relocate pretty far away, right from where they are currently. I just gave them the advice of, hey, 
try it first before you buy it. So maybe rent, make sure you've liked the area, find the area. So maybe I know that was advice at first. I don't want to say that you were like, eh, I don't know about that. But like, I know John was a little concerned about the equity in the home and all that kind of aspects of it. So maybe you can just kind of how that, how that felt to do that. And then maybe your experience now that you've, you've rented for a little while and, and making a more confident decision kind of in your next home purchase. Certainly the, uh, the aspect of renting was never a very positive or something I really wanted to do. Even when I moved out from the parents' house and I wanted to be on my own and I was renting, I debated almost every month when I handed in that rental check, do I want to be doing this or do I want to be buying something? So uh, when Mary and I got married, we had owned our own home forever until we retired. And we took to heart your advice to rent saying you avoid a lot of expenses, property taxes, odds and ends like that. And uh, you know, just the mortgage and things like that. Now down here at Hilton Head, our rent payment is going to be more than the mortgage payment we're going to be making when we move back up in a, a couple of weeks to Davidson, North Carolina. But that didn't really matter. Uh, the rental aspect was we didn't have to worry about the place. There's an owner that we call they'll take care of things if we need things taken care of. So that was a nice positive aspect of it. But you're absolutely right. You mentioned that rental thing. Mary was on board with that from the get-go. I just kind of thought about it. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm an owner. I'm not a renter, but I cannot argue with uh, how that worked <laughs> out. And, you know, I retired February the 1st in 2021, and we moved out of that house at the end of May. So uh, as we said, that was a pretty quick turnaround to get down here. And things worked wonderfully here. Like Mary said, we've been here two years. It's been like a two-year beach vacation. We have gotten out and had a ball with each other. We have traveled. We've been on cruises. We have been to the Canyonlands. We've been to Yellowstone. We've done a number of things, a lot of it, because these are some of the things that we planned to be a part of our retirement. And uh, uh, I can't say it enough how much you and your team have helped us to make that a realization. We even bought a truck. Now, I'm told that it's Mary's truck and my toy. <laughs> I don't know if I go along with that 100%, but the truck's name is Baby. Baby. So, <laughs> well, Baby's had some adventures, I'm guessing, because I, I do follow Mary on, on, on Facebook, and she posts uh, all of your your trips and and things like that. And, and um and I, I do think that it's really important that you share with our listeners. I mean, you just rattled off a few of them, but I mean, you guys are living your best life. It looks like from that standpoint, I mean, is there anything that you're not doing that you want to do? Or, you know, I mean, I, I feel like you're doing the things that you plan to do. Uh, how do you feel about that? I got to say so far, so good. And we're looking forward to continuing to do it. I mean, Mary loves kayaking. So we're going to have to find a location at the new house where we can go do that. We love to bike and hike and play golf and do a number of outdoor activities, which have been wonderful here. They'll be wonderful up in North Carolina. Uh, the traveling is something that I wanted to do forever. And when you're raising four children, uh, sometimes that kind of gets pushed aside. And Mary is a wonderful travel agent and tour guide. And uh, I kind of counted down the number of places we've been just the other day and made a list. I think it's, I can't remember. I think it's 38 of the states, a number of the national parks. We've been to a lot of places. And I do not want that to come to an end. 
And a big part of that is you manage what you've got, you manage your health, you manage your desires, and you partner with your wife or your husband or whoever it is to kind of make sure you're on the right track doing the things you want to do. And uh, that's my aspect of it. And Mary, what would you like to add to that? I think we're very lucky and blessed. Uh, we did build some travel expenses into our budget. Uh, each year, we try to do something with the kids. Um, and that's important. You know, growing up, we did that with uh, my sister when she moved to Seattle, Washington, and the rest of us were in North Carolina. It kept the cousins close and it kept uh, all of us, you know, feeling more connected as a family. So we try to do a little something every year with the kids um, and they love it. So hopefully we'll be able to continue that. That's the first travel piece for me that we do. As far as the stuff that John and I have done, we're running as hard as we can while we've got our health. I, we did get advice from, from friends who are older, like, go do it now. Go do it now for your health files. You don't know what's coming. So if there are things you really want to do, go do it. And so we we took that to heart, <laughs> as you would say, Brett, and uh, we're enjoying it. know it in my heart. Yeah. Well, and I'm actually, you know, I'm probably going to have you back once you get landed in North Carolina and kind of go through this next phase, because I know that there's, uh, you know, family things and other dynamics that you want to see grow and flourish in this next phase of your retirement and, and how important that is to you. But I really wanted our listeners today to hear this story of, you know, I think we started meeting at, you know, putting all the math together about five to six years before, quote unquote, the retirement date. Right. And we started mapping out what was important to you. What are the things that you wanted to do? What did you want to have the capability to do? And we put that plan together. And then uh, the last couple of years before you executed the that next phase, we would have these meetings and you'd be like, are you sure? And I'd be like, I'm sure. Why? Because we knew what you were trying to do. And, and even with the house decision to sell, which came so quickly, right? You know, we weren't expecting it that fast right after John left left his company, but the market was right and you were ready and you took advantage of that opportunity because you were prepared for it. And yeah, it went fast, but wasn't unexpected. It wasn't something that you thought you'd never do. And now I remember when we were going through the house buying, although we had a really adventurous last day before close, but you know, the reality was that, you know, all of that was laid out and ready and John would call and, and Mary would ask like, okay, so if we buy this house, can we really do that? And I'd be like, yes, that was the plan. Right. And so now you're getting ready to go to that next phase. And like I said, I, I want to have you back, not like tomorrow, but in, in, a, in a while and just kind of go through that next transition, because I think these are the things that people that are just like you are experiencing as they go through retirement. So I just want to thank you so much for your time today and sharing your story and being so open because other people are feeling and experiencing the same stuff and they're, they're nervous. They're not confident. They're not ready. And, um, you know, that's why we exist is to help people figure out how to have a confident retirement. So anything, exactly. anything you'd like to add here before we wrap up? I just want to say thank you, Brett, because we do have confidence in you and your ability and that you are truly partnering with us to fulfill the vision that we have for our retirement. It is a handcrafted uh, retirement plan and you're very easy to connect to and you're very supportive and you'll tell us like it is, which is what we need. Um, and you have uh, so much wisdom, so much practical wisdom. We're just so grateful for that. 
Thank you. And I will, I will second all of that and just thank you to you and Wendy and your team for all you do, because it's a holistic approach. You know, it's not just money. It's what are you going to do for insurance? What are you going to do for taxes? What are you going to do for this? The expansions that you and your team are making are wonderful. They work well for us. I think they would work well for anybody uh, looking for retirement. Well, it's been wonderful to get to know the both of you and hear your story. And the one thing I can say about Brett is he has enough confidence for everyone. <laughs> I don't lack in that department. No, it's been one not, of my challenges my whole life. Not at I all. I know it in my heart. Because <laughs> I know it in my heart. <laughs> all right, Brett. How do we get a hold of you if we have more questions? Hey, we go to that that wonderful interweb place, you know, that www. We go to artisanwealthstrategies.com. And from there, you'll be able to connect with us, get on my calendar and, and find all kinds of exciting things, white papers and other interesting topics that you can download and get connected. And from there, like I said, we'll have a, an initial conversation and see if we can help you. All right. Thank you, John and Mary, for being here. Thank you, Brett. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.